Hello and welcome to another episode of Professors at Work, our weekly podcast from the American University of Beirut, where we talk with professors and scholars and researchers about the work they're doing, what they're discovering, and what it means for the rest of us. We have a really fascinating topic this week, an important topic for everybody, which is the conservation of nature. And we have a great guest, Professor Selma Telhu, who is in the Department of Landscape Design and Ecosystem Management in the Faculty of Agriculture and Food Science. And she uh, has worked for years in the field of biodiversity conservation. Uh, she's the founding uh, director, founding chair of the AUB Botanic Gardens Project, uh, and will tell us about the exciting work that she has done and continues to do. So, Professor Talhu, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Rami, for inviting me. Yeah, t t tell me, to begin with, the, the journey you've made from starting your career as a traditional lab scientist into a much more public, activist, people-centered approach. Uh, uh, tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so when I started my career, when I joined the university, I was doing conventional research. So I was looking at uh, biodiversity, genetic diversity, plant distribution. So I was looking at nature from a sci scientist's perspective. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the, you know, around the middle of my career, I realized that if I'm going to make any difference in my lifetime as a professional, I have to focus on the destroyers of nature, which are people. So I moved from being a scientist and a um, uh, science-centered to a person-centered research because my question instead of uh, instead of asking what kind of biodiversity we have I my question is what do people see in nature because if we understand what people see in nature we understand why they destroy it and how we can remedy uh, basic issues uh, that we are facing in the country that's a that's a, a huge landscape of uh, challenges and, and priorities. So where do you start uh, focusing your attention, your research, your uh, interventions in society? Well, uh, the major the major shift in research when you are asking the question in this way, uh, it's in the information that you seek to acquire is no longer. Uh, scientific in that I'm no longer asking uh, what is the distribution of the cedrus population, what is the genetic diversity of the, of, uh, I don't know, carob species or whatever. Instead, mm -hmm. now I'm analyzing perceptions and opinions and attitudes and mm -hmm. uh, ac actions by people. And so it's very different. And it's not about... Uh, uh, the actual uh, context of the ecology, but how mm -hmm. it is perceived. So this is a change. So it means that you are changing your method, and uh, which is very challenging because you're going from purely quantitative methodology to qualitative and abstract type of information that you have to make sense of and link it back to hardcore science, of course. Because in the end, the aim is to conserve biodiversity and to conserve nature. Right. And you want to also, at various points in this kind of work, you want to change the behavior of people and how they 
interact with their environment, right? You can only change the behavior if you understand what are the drivers and you understand right. what is the context. So mm -hmm. at least if this information is available. So for I'm going to give you an example that was really an eye opener uh, mm -hmm. for me. Uh, we were uh, conducting a study with the young children uh, in villages in Lebanon. And what we wanted to know is how they see nature. This was like in the early uh, phases when I was shifting. So mm -hmm. we asked the children, we gave them cameras and we asked them to take photos of nature. And it was important to understand how do children in villages what do they see? You know, do they see a bird? Do they see a flower? Do they see a landscape? And this right. is what we were expecting. We were expecting uh, that children are going to select something, a landscape, a flower, a bird, close up, etc. And the surprise that um, uh, the outcome of the study was that the children photographed their parents. Their parents? Yes. Wow. And their, and their extended family. And that was really an eye-opener because that told us something that at a younger age, the children see nature through their parents and mm -hmm. they think about nature through their experience with their extended family. And when I say parents, I mean grandparents. Right. And that told us how important it is at a young age to spend time with your grandparents in the village doing whatever your grandparents do outdoor in the garden or walking or in your orchard. And these are your early encounters with nature, which are going to affect your behavior in the future. And so these are like snapshots of uh, how we start and we started looking into the potentials of uh, what pe how people perceive nature and where are the entry points where we can influence and inform. So, you, you, like many people at AUB now, this is pretty fascinating. So, you look at medical scientists, you look at people dealing with uh, environmental protection, you're dealing with the coronavirus. Uh, a lot of the work that professors are doing is trying to bring about social change, um, attitude changes among the population as a whole, which raises the question, which I guess is relevant to you, uh, where do you focus your attention when you want to have people, whether young people or older, uh, behave in a different way to protect biodiversity and the environment? Do you focus on the home? Do you focus on the school? Do you focus on the mass media? Do you put billboards out on the street? Where is the entry point that you feel is most effective in bringing about the kind of social attitude changes in people that would protect the environment? Uh, actually, it's, um, it's multifaceted. You actually target, there are ways to target every aspect of the population. And I'll explain to you why. Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, as I was saying, for the younger generation, instead of focusing on organizations, uh, NGO, environmental NGOs or schools for the very young, focus on giving the family opportunities and to really value what family can offer and contribute in this, uh, in, in this challenge of conserving uh, nature and biodiversity. Mm -hmm. At an older age, when you have youth and you have teenagers, then you focus more on 
ecotourism and responsible tourism because and social media because here what you want is to uh, you are addressing uh, a, a group of young individuals who in our case are highly urbanized mm -hmm. you know they live in the city all the time they will and hardly make they don't know where to go they don't know what to do in nature so you have to package it in a way for them that is easy simple accessible and that provides them with the positive experience so that uh, they can uh, you know change their perception and one thing i always tell uh, my students because also i link my research with my teaching if i ask my students how many problems lebanon have they can list a lot of problems mm -hmm. but if i ask them how many natural assets lebanon has they don't know them wow so so it's important to target this uh, generation and really open up for them opportunities and then you have everyone else who lives uh, and the bulk of the people live in cities it's important that you also introduce small wins very small gains in the urban context so for example mm -hmm. now we have uh, i'm conducting studies uh, related to if you live in beirut which is very dense and everything can you contribute to an improved uh, urban environment to a nature in the mm -hmm. city can you contribute and so I'm, I'm studying even at the level of a balcony. What, what wow. would happen if you just planted your balcony? And the, the research, we just came up with a study that if every building contributes uh, plants in their garden, that would be the equivalent of about two to five small trees in front of that building. And this is important if you think of dense cities who have no options to have sidewalks with trees and green uh, spaces. And so mm -hmm. at this level, at the general public level, you look at what can every individual do uh, to contribute and to feel that they are part of this change. Because the issue is not only an issue of awareness, it's right. experiential. If you experience something if you are you experience that you are part of an effort then you start feeling the change it's not an intellectual uh, effort I mean, if you mm -hmm. walk in a nature reserve uh, and this is something that we also experience if you walk in a nature reserve people are not going to be driven by conservation because you tell them about species right. they are driven by conservation because they enjoyed the, the trip visually, uh, their senses, the wind, the, the whole, the whole um, habitat. They enjoyed being in nature. And so mm -hmm. this is what's important and this is what we're working on. So having them be part of something, whether they are in the city or whether they go out to nature, how can they be part of this effort that is happening? And how can they benefit from it emotionally uh, or physically? Wow. And uh, presumably this uh, is a challenge that is faced by societies all over the world. Uh, we're not Absolutely. unique. And Absolutely. therefore, is there, is there a, a, a global network of people like yourselves who are consulting with each other, sharing best practices and innovative ways to deal with 
you know, urban people you mentioned, but there's parts, much of the Arab world is uh, semi-arid desert landscapes and uh, vast rural uh, areas. So each, each area needs a different approach, right? Absolutely, because, you know, nature, nature in the Arab world may be experiencing the sea, experiencing the desert, mm-hmm. uh, experiencing the landscapes. And definitely we are dealing with generations that are more and more urbanized and more detached and they have less knowledge. And that's a problem because the less people are involved, the less people know, the less people feel concerned about uh, about enjoying. I'm not talking about conservation. Right. For me, the key is to start feeling positive and wanting to, to have this accessible to me personally or to my family. And then that will drive... Uh, engagement and involvement right well i i had a personal experience a little bit like this with walking around aub campus for many years and i started looking at the trees which of course are have been there and all around us and i i started taking pictures of them and then i'd send them out on on twitter and uh, it was uh, fascinating to um to see the variety of trees all over the place and um uh, I started reading a little bit about them and reading the little signs on the trees. Uh, so, what, what do you do with the uh, with the AUB campus, uh, the so, uh, tremendous yes. resource that it is? Yes. So, what? Uh, so, this is another way of engaging every individual. And the idea is that if we have such a beautiful campus with the diverse uh, vegetation and the environment, this healthy environment that it provides, then why can't we open it to the general public outside our hours of business, if you want to call it? So based on that, uh, I developed a concept that I call ancillary botanic gardens. So Mm -hmm. you have an institution that has a great green space with a lot of interesting vegetation. Conduct your business during your business hours. And then on the weekend, on the holidays, when you don't use the space intensively, make it available to the public. And so this is why we have done, this is what we have done with AUB. Uh, We Mm -hmm. were the first ancillary botanic garden. And now we have, uh, we are developing additional ones. And the idea is that any institution, uh, any archeological site, any place that has green spaces uh, that are available, how can you make them available to the public uh, so that they can enjoy and connect with nature, especially uh, institutions that are in the city? Right. You mentioned grandparents and the village. I mean, the, the grandparents must be an extraordinary resource for this kind of work with the knowledge and the experience they have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the extended family, especially... I'm not sure that in many countries it's the same model that we have in Lebanon where the grandparents are in the village in the rural area. Mm -hmm. But even grandparents in the city, you know, they have more time and they have more attention and they have, uh, you know, life experience where they reflect on the value of nature in life. And so they are really a resource uh, that is untapped where... Uh, we can, mm-hmm. if we provide the right setting, they can contribute enormously to to forming 
uh, young children that become better eco-citizens. And is this being done in an organized way uh, by your, uh, you and your colleagues, or are there other groups at AUB or in society who are trying to tap the, the power of uh, grandparents? What is happening is that, you know, I'm telling you all of everything, all these insights, mm. um, you know, different findings from here and there, but mm -hmm. they are all merging into one ultimate aim, which is, uh, nature and affinity to nature and care for nature. Mm -hmm. And so they're all feeding into, and it's the, the different stories that eventually are going to all feed into each other. So we are mm -hmm. developing a phone application to inform people, make uh, access to nature easier. We are approaching institutions to open up their green spaces. So once the setup is available, uh, then you can say, okay, you can go here, you can make use of this, you can benefit in this way. At this stage, we are, we have opened up AUB and we are offering um, plant tours and what have you for okay. the general public. But to reach the ultimate, uh, the ultimate situation where um, uh, nature, urban nature and rural nature is open and accessible and shared and you have uh, uh, sharing of intergenerational information mm -hmm. and not only information emotions wow. which are more important than information and yeah. so you need this infrastructure of uh, accessibility and activities and we're working on that we're working wow. on that within the context of the Nature Conservation Center, the AUB Botanic Garden, and the Landscape Department. Well, um, you're working um, in a context also in Lebanon, at least, and through much of the Middle East, where a lot of nature is being ravaged by urban expansion, uh, commercial exploitation of mineral resources, forest fires, drought. There's all kinds of uh, threats that are hurting nature. Uh, how do you do you try to address those issues, or is that beyond actually your what realm? yeah actually what I decided to do is because there are a lot of researchers addressing threats, but mm -hmm. there isn't a lot of work on opportunities. So my focus is mostly on opportunities rather than okay. threats. But with the okay. respect to forest fires, for example. Again, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity because people who live by what we're doing is research to understand uh, people who live near f these forests. Are they mm -hmm. Did they develop a negative relation with them or a positive relation with them? So right. are, you, are you not happy being next to a forest because it may uh, be on fire? You know, it mm -hmm. may take fire or are mm -hmm. you happy and you want to conserve it. And this is what I'm trying to understand in this context. So okay. I always try to look at the opportunity and people-centered research. Mm -hmm. uh, we've almost run out of time. Uh, tell us what, what is your next focus in terms of either interventions or research or combination of the two? What's on your priority list for the next couple of years? On my priority list is interpreting the songs of Fairuz and how nature features in her, in her songs. 
Wow, that's fascinating. And this is something that you're doing on your own, or are you bring yes. in interdisciplinary people from other departments at AUB? No, on this project specifically, it's um, just the interpreting the songs and trying to understand how nature was featured in these uh, traditional um, contexts that she was referring to, and how sometimes nature was a confidant, and sometimes nature was just a landscape, and sometimes nature uh, was a person ad you're addressing. It's very interesting. So I'm trying oh, to bring yeah. this out because, you know, almost everyone here listens to Fayrouz uh, mm -hmm. at least one song a day. So there must be a way, if you shed light on, the, uh, on these aspects, there must be a way to reach out to people. This is oh, like absolutely. my and, my, you... my pet project that I hope I can oh, yeah. time to work on. Uh, oh, you can also get colleagues working on, say, poetry, because poetry is of big course. in the Arab world. And, of course, uh, um, of course. Amazing. But well, I'm developing the method. I'm, I have to understand how to analyze the songs and yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So it's a constant well, learning. Constant learning. It is. Every time you have it to is. learn new methods and new ways to move forward. Well, AUB and Lebanon and the Arab re region are all um, uh, fortunate to have you and your colleagues doing this kind of work. Thank you so much. My, Thank you, Ram. We've run out of time. My, okay. my guest has been uh, Professor Selma Talhu from the Department of Landscape Design and Ecosystem Management at AUB. And this has been Professors at Work. I'm your host, Rami Khouri. Thank you for being with us and join us again next week. <laughs>